Welcome to Now and Next, the podcast dedicated to helping tech leaders succeed in the office of the future. Each episode, HP experts share ideas and insights to help you thrive in the new normal. Hello, and welcome to HP's Now and Next podcast. I'm Michael Howard, head of the security and analytics practice at HP. My team helps assess our customer's security environment as well as develop and manage different products, security services, and solutions. In today's episode, we're excited to chat with our own CISO, Joanna Berkey, who is helping HP remain secure in a swiftly adjusting work environment. Joanna has led cyber defense teams around the globe and comes to us from Austin, Texas today. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you, Michael. Really happy to join you today. So, Joanna, how did you get into cybersecurity? I was a computer science mathematics major, going to be technical, going to set the world on fire being a CTO like so many other people in the late 90s. And again, like so many other people in the late 90s, I got seduced by the startup world. It was an amazing experience. And really early in my career, I fell into a network security startup. I honestly didn't even know what cybersecurity was when I was in college. It was not a thing. And it was fascinating. I got intrigued. I fell in love. And I have been in the field ever since in an incredibly broad variety of jobs, but all of them have been cyber. And I found that once you get into cybersecurity, removing yourself from it is virtually impossible, which is a good thing, I think. It is. And I think I really, Michael, fell in love with the fact that it's always changing. And while that leads to incredible stress and it leads to, you know, why we're going to have the conversation today, which would be different five years ago, which will be different in five years from now, that's the allure about it as well. No, I love that. Every morning when I get up to come to work, I never know what I'm going to expect. And I think that's what makes the days so much fun. Yes. So, I mean, going further, Joanna, what, what a time to come to HP. So you began recently with us. And you were thrown straight into managing cybersecurity. Can you tell us a little bit about what the first few months had been like for you at HP? <laughs> you know, it's, it is so odd, Michael. When I go through every day, I wake up and I work and I get things done and I go to sleep. It feels like life is normal. And I step back and I think about the fact that I have never met face-to-face -face a single person in my organization it sounds like the most bizarre situation that you could think of, that you could write up. You wouldn't write fiction like this. And I think it definitely adds a layer of complexity, but in a way too, it really hones your focus. You're not spending all that time commuting. I'm not spending all that time on airplanes anymore. And once you kind of get past how bizarre the situation is, the fact that you're concentrating on this topic of cybersecurity that is so much bigger than where you're sitting or how you're working, it really feels like business as usual. In a way, it really allows you whenever we're in this environment now to focus on what our mission is and to kind of see things from a different perspective, in my opinion. And it brings also for someone ramping up like I am in a new enterprise, it brings an egalitarianness to the way you work because everybody is accessible. So right now, Joanna, what are your biggest challenges for managing security for HP? And especially with what we've really seen is the corporate edge is being extended 
to each employee's home at HP since we're all working remotely. What are your challenges around that? You just exactly hit the nail on the head on what I have found to be the biggest challenge and the the thing that is occupying the most brain space. The way I think of it to myself is, you know, a lot of us have developed and been a part of defense in depth strategies in the last years for a lot of really good reasons. There are no magic bullets out there. Therefore, we set up these nice, resilient, overlapping strategies to combat the cyber threat. And now I feel like that depth is gone out of the defense in depth. The endpoint is all of a sudden even incredibly more important than it already was. That edge just moved drastically. And we're still, I think, unpacking the ways that that changes things. And we're still thinking about the long tail that that's going to bring moving forward. I've always said, if you want to drive a security professional crazy, uh, make all their devices they're managing invisible to them. And that's exactly (laughs) what we did within 24 hours. It is. It is. You know, visibility equals goodness. Um, You know, I'm a big fan. I tell my organization all the time, there's no good news. There's no bad news. There's just news. And we can do our jobs better the more news we have on an ongoing basis. And that's really why, you know, I think so much about the endpoint right now. And the endpoint isn't just the laptop. The endpoint is the printer. The endpoint is the listening speaker. The endpoint is the PC. The endpoint is all of these things that are around us now. That's absolutely true. And, you know, in in some of the discussions that I've been having with CISOs uh, as we've been helping with our outreach programs, That's exactly the point is that you've now opened it up to so many endpoints that are sitting in everybody's homes and you have to really consider how do you protect those and how do you help users that are at home protect themselves from themselves, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to security in those endpoints, how do you ensure that you have a holistic strategy for addressing all endpoints, including printers in your environment and digital thermostats and refrigerators? You know, there's there's definitely a couple of themes here, I think, that, you know, it, it's really tempting. You think about this problem of, oh, the endpoint, and it, it, it seems like, oh, my gosh, it's the ocean and we got to boil it, right? I definitely think there are a few themes here that if the CISO and the cybersecurity organization focus on, they can really move the needle on this. One of the first, of course, is the fact that acknowledging work is now what you do. It's not where you are. That means that the data, the stuff that you're working on, the things you're writing, the things you're printing, the things you work with every day, that data is incredibly important. And the good news is a lot of tools have been emerging in the last years in the endpoints to help categorize, classify, manage, and deal with that data. For example, as you well know, Michael, we at HP have leveraged heavily on the managed print services that you and your team provide to do ongoing assessment and maintenance of our printers. There's a lot of tools available now to do this ongoing management and assessment on the PC or the laptop as the endpoint. The cloud certainly brought a lot of things. It brought some things hard to deal with. It brought some things that are easier to deal with. And the cloud really helps us in this circumstance because there's a lot you can do remotely. No, absolutely. And you know, when you bring that up of how you can do it remotely, but how you can protect everything, I was actually uh, listening to a, a former FBI agent talk about some cybersecurity uh, 
practices yesterday. And one of the things he brought up is something that we talk about all the time is that poor cyber hygiene still results in 90% of most cyber incidents, according to NSA. So how is mm-hmm. HP ensuring good cyber hygiene is implemented and maintained? And, and I'll tell you this FBI agents, uh, uh, one of his statements that he made is if you had no money to invest at all in security, you could secure your environment just through good cyber hygiene. So I want to get your mm-hmm. thoughts around that. I agree with it. I mean, quite simply put, I think that he is right on. And when we talk about hygiene, a lot of times it can mean a lot of different things. But one of the things it means most often and most appropriately is patching. Visibility into and the ability to deal with vulnerabilities. And it's always interesting to me that, you know, when you look at the press and even when you get groups of cybersecurity professionals together, one of the exciting topics is is zero days. You know, it's, it's fun to talk about the unknown threat. It's fun to talk about the thing that there's a rumor exists and we're not real sure if it's true or not. But the reality is those zero days account for really very little percentage-wise, of the successful breaches that occur in the world. The vast majority of the successful breaches, even the really large-scale, large-impact ones, are due to the old, boring vulnerability that has been around for seven to eight years, has multiple public exploits available for it, and really just isn't very exciting at all. The fact that that exists, I think, you know, it's it's a good reality check for all of us to take a step back and be aware of that and be aware, yeah, there's all kinds of exciting new emerging attack vectors, but it's those boring old vulnerabilities that can really bite you. No, I couldn't agree more. And with all the security assessments uh, my team does around the world, that is the greatest finding that we have is just basic good cyber hygiene. And like you said, the boring attack vectors and the boring reasons are why we're seeing events happen. So it's Mm -hmm. quite interesting. And then I know that we've been doing a lot of security awareness training at HP. Obviously, I've been taking the trainings that your team have been putting out. So it sounds like you've received a lot of insight from that that might help you as you're moving forward, which leads me to ask you, and, and if you can answer this, is what are the three security initiatives that you are strategically planning for at this time And has the pandemic adjusted those initiatives? That's an excellent question in a lot of ways, because the initiatives, especially the ones I'm about to talk about, they were coming anyway. But the pandemic has been an accelerator to some some developments that I believe were going to be coming along regardless. And I've heard a lot of people say that, that the pandemic was an accelerator, either an accelerator for remote work or an accelerator to automation. I believe that. And I think it's been an accelerator for some cybersecurity initiatives. At HP, it's highlighted for sure a couple of things for us. One is that it highlights the importance of identity. If, as I mentioned earlier, work is what you do, not where you are, coupled with the explosion of importance and quantity of data, it really means that identity is huge. And whether you want to call it zero trust or you want to call it identity awareness, that absolutely is a big focus for us and a lot of other enterprises. Another one, and I, you know, people oftentimes talk about their strategies or their initiatives as though, you know, these are bad things and we want to make them better. I think initiatives also can be, let's look around for the good things that we can bolt onto from a cybersecurity perspective. And digital transformation is one of those things 
I think, that the cybersecurity organization can bolt onto, can be a part of, and accomplish a lot of things. If you're in an enterprise that's already going through some digital transformations or some automation-focused efforts, maybe you're rolling out RPA, this is a heaven-sent opportunity for the cybersecurity organization to be a part of and therefore advance our own strategies as a, a part of a wider effort. And the third one really, you know, I've already mentioned this D word a lot of times during the conversation. It's a renewed focus, I think, on the data. There's a lot of levers that are emphasizing the importance of that. The rise of nation-specific or economy-specific regulations is a forcing function. The continued digitalization of a lot of business efforts is a forcing function. Then the advent of 5G coupled with this explosion of Internet of Things, this all leads to a massive growth in the amount of data around, the amount of data moving around, and the importance of us being aware of classifying and handling that data in ever more sophisticated ways. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we, we looked before and I saw a lot of people that were leaning in for DLP solutions. Mm -hmm. And now I'm really seeing what customers are starting to ask for. And what I'm seeing in the industry is more data classification type of software so that you can actually make sure you're maintaining it, you're classifying it, you're redacting it at the right level, mm -hmm. since we have so much data out there today. So what keeps you up at night relating to cybersecurity during the new normal? What's the, the biggest thing that you're, you're concerned with? You know, this, there is absolutely one thing that keeps me awake the most. And I'm not sure really whether the pandemic affected this very much or not. This was an emerging development already in the threat landscape. But I do believe, again, this confluence of the changes enterprises and businesses are making because of the pandemic exacerbates the threat that is the commercialization of malicious operations. What I mean by that is over the last couple of years, we've really seen a sophistication in how the bad actors are running their businesses. You know, 20 years ago, most bad actors were operating very independently. They may collaborate a little bit, share some interesting facts with each other, but a lot of these bad actors were executing the entire chain of attack, soup to nuts, all on their own. A few years went by, we saw threat actor groups emerge more. You know, whether they were nation state sponsored, whether they were just focused on e-crime, definitely groups of people accomplishing more than just those individuals did. Now, just really in the last couple of years, there's been another really big leap forward where these groups are now forming and working more as supply chains with each other. There's been a platformization of malware tools. There is a commercialization of reconnaissance activity. We know for a while now there's been an active marketplace for stolen information. Everyone's realizing they have different skills to bring to the game. Why do the whole thing yourself if you can partner with each other in a very transactional way? And that has led to a dramatic lowering of the bar for a successful attack. And I think that is a very interesting thing and a very 
scary thing. No, I agree with you uh, 100% on that one. And, and we've even seen, you know, hacking as a service sites popping up um, mm -hmm. where you can pay and they'll give you information or run books or Bibles of how to have, have been showing up. And, and I agree that just really gets to be into a scary space around what we're trying to protect. So, Joanna, 68% of business leaders feel their cybersecurity risks are increasing. And Gartner states that worldwide spending on cybersecurity will reach a staggering $133.7 billion by 2022. I know you can't share numbers, and a lot of this is very confidential, but are you seeing an increase in cybersecurity spend at HP and other companies that you advise or you collaborate with? Are you seeing a rise? Are we staying ahead of this? It's a really timely question. Uh, even before the pandemic and some of the economic headwinds that the pandemic brought, cybersecurity budgets were starting to run into a little bit more scrutiny because, you know, 10 to 15 years has gone by where for a while, you know, 10 years ago in a cybersecurity org, you didn't have a blank check, but you could usually say, hey, my program is so immature, or hey, this is such an open area, you could usually get what you needed. Now, we've gone through a couple of hardware and software refresh cycles. We've gone through a decade or more of presenting to the board. They're starting to ask, what have you done with all this investment? Where's all this money going? We've spent so much money. How come you can't give me guarantees? So it's really interesting. We're seeing more scrutiny, but I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think it's part of the maturation of the programs that now we're starting to engage with the boards and we're engaging with the CFOs on a more equal level where it comes down to risk. Instead of just saying, hey, there's this big emerging complex topic. You need to give me a lot of money to deal with it. And that was the case for a while. Now it's really coming down to cybersecurity being a business risk, like a lot of other risks, and being discussed the same way in the boardroom. I believe fundamentally, again, that's a good thing. And what it's doing is it's not leading to this continued upward slope of just an ever-increasing budget, but it's leading to more targeted investment growth in targeted focus areas that are very specific to that enterprise's risk. You know, I mentioned earlier this focus on identity at HP. We have articulated that need, that focus, and that strategy with our stakeholders, with the board, and it has led to we're rolling out more stronger, hardened strategies and programs around identity. And that's definitely something I see with my colleagues when I speak to them as well. So, Joanna, as we look forward and where we're going and, and we kind of reevaluate what's been going on with the pandemic, we're seeing a shift in technology. We're seeing the cloud becoming much more important. We're seeing the digitization becoming much more important. And I think that's a valuable learning that we have all gotten out of this. Want to get your take on that and how you think this is moving us forward in a positive way. The cloud has been scary for a while because of the unknown and the lack of control. You know, I mean, human beings, we just, we like to feel like we have control, even if we don't really. And, and the cloud took away even the illusion of control in a lot of ways. But, you know, there's nothing like a crisis to highlight what is available to you and how can you use any tool you've got. The cloud has been a great tool during this period. And I think that renewed or renewing awareness of the use of the cloud, 
I do not believe that's going to go away. I believe that is a, a permanent mindset shift that has started to happen. And I think that's actually going to be a really great thing on the horizon that we're more open to and find better and better ways to utilize that capability. So overall, from a cybersecurity standpoint, what can you do right now to demonstrate due diligence around cybersecurity, especially whenever you have a remote workforce? And how are you maintaining that proof of due diligence around what you're doing with security? You know, I think one of the key legs is this continued focus on hygiene that we've talked about a little bit already. It is such a foundational piece. And it's also an area that, you know, to do it 100% is really difficult. But to do it 5% is pretty straightforward. And at least you're 5% better than you were the day before. I think there's a lot of solutions and vendors and products out there that really are great tools in the toolbox in this area. I look at HP alone. We offer things like our managed security services for the printers. We're offering more and more tools on the PC these days. There are a lot of tools in the toolbox already that whether the employee or the user is remote or not, can be utilized for that focus on hygiene. I think that if you can only pick one thing, it is that hygiene focus. And it's that awareness of what tools are there already that you may not be aware of. You may not know your printer has these tools, but they do. And taking advantage of those, I think is, is step number one right now. No, absolutely. I agree with you on that as well. And I just, I think, you know, that's one of the things that we do notice is even though we're building security into our devices, a lot of times when we're doing assessments, you're exactly right. A lot of the end customers that we're talking to did not know that they had these capabilities built in and may not be leveraging them at the correct level. So to me and our team, we think that the assessments are incredibly important because they get you a baseline and then they help you establish a roadmap of where you want to get to go and start looking at all the various solutions that you might have in your environment that you're unaware of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that really, it dovetails nicely into what I think another tool is that doesn't always come front of mind. And that tool is how to leverage the relationships and the the vendor and supply chain that you have already developed. I think a lot of us in this field, we're constantly focusing on so many complex problems. It's so tempting to think that, you know, well, I and my organization, this is our burden. This is what we got to do. We got to focus on this. And while, yes, absolutely you do, it's really key right now, I think more than ever, to be aware of developing and cultivating both your strategic and your tactical third-party relationships. There's a place for both. There's always a place for tactical, very transactional third-party relationships. But by cultivating these vendor and partner relationships that are strategic, that then provides a great tool that's useful not only now, but useful going forward in the future. We as HP, we really want to be that for our customers. I certainly have that in some of my own vendors and partners. These are the ones I really reach out to and say, hey, I need help on this. I want you to partner with me on this. And that's a great tool because the more brains are always better. Absolutely agree. So, uh, you know, speaking of your suppliers and your vendors, 
what do you do to challenge them to bring you the right cloud and security solutions so that they're not, you know, you don't get a lot of wasted time in your meetings, but they're bringing you clear innovation. How, how do you challenge vendors today from your side? You know, one of the things I do on an ongoing basis is really pay attention to and listen to which of my vendors are bringing me more ways to use what I've already got. You know, it's, it's one thing as a vendor to just to sell, to sell, to sell, to sell. I really want to have the kind of relationship in my key areas, my key solution areas, where my partner is continuing to advise me on what I have already that I can use, then of course, what are they focusing on? What will they be making available? And it's always a combination of new services and better utilizing what I've already got. If they have that awareness of my environment, if they know my strategy and they're able to give me valuable input there, I know that I'm a really valued customer. And I know that we've got a long-term relationship in front of us. No, that's great. And I, I always tell people, I said, if you're going to, you know, I get asked if you're going to get in front of a CISO, you know, what do you need to do? And I said, you know, you need to bring solutions, not problems. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know a single person or a vendor that's ever come to me and brought me a problem that I've been happy with. So I think it's, it's good if we do that. And especially with the proliferation of tools. I mean, it, it, I keep thinking that, that one day this bubble is going to get a little smaller, but it hasn't yet. The proliferation of tools out there, it is so hard to winnow through and it's hard to really figure out what's going to bring value. Even when someone approaches me to say, here's how I can work directly with you. Here's what I know about you. Here's what I can do for you. This ability to have a connection right off the bat it's really huge. Joanna, it was so nice to have the time with you today, and I can't wait until we can have a face-to-face -face meeting in Austin, not only because I'm looking forward to, to meeting you face-to-face -face and, and having some good conversations, but it is one of my favorite towns. I can't wait to take you to all of the barbecue that I am also missing so much right now. It's always fun to talk to you, Michael, and I've so much enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you, Joanna, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you.